necessarily combat the the lying to yourself, but it's just I think that's the way to go about the personal like okay why do I have this you know thought that may be untrue or why am I telling myself this thing that may be unhelpful or that I really want to be true but it maybe isn't true right why is that even important to me and if it is important to me to be that way and I'm not that way but I really I'm lying to myself to pretend I'm that way it's very I hope everybody just felt that. But you know, yes, like, what, definitely. what? What is the value that I want to live by that I'm not currently? Welcome to the Level Up Growth Podcast, the podcast where you can learn ways to take your personal development and growth a step further, so that you can be the person you want to be and have the life you want to have. I'm Grace, a naturopathic doctor, and I'm Kelsey, a registered clinical counselor. We've both been on and continue to be on our own personal growth journeys. And on this show, we'll explore a range of topics that we can all use to level up our minds, bodies, emotions, and spirit. So let's get started on today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Level Up Growth Podcast. I'm Kelsey, and I'm here with Grace. All right. And today we are actually going to talk about a quote from Socrates. So I was listening to another podcast, one of my favorite ones called The Happiness Lab the other day, and they did an episode on Socrates and kind of his wisdom and knowledge and how that relates to happiness. And there was a quote that I was like, oh my God, that totally relates to personal growth. And so the quote is, to know ourselves is to know that we don't know ourselves. That's a very interesting quote. And prior to recording this podcast, Kelsey and I were just talking a little bit about this. So we are talking off air about how this quote reminded me of the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is to say that when you know a little about something, you think you know a lot. And the more you learn about something, you realize how much there is to know. So you don't actually know anything. And I think that kind of applies to self-growth in the sense that as we progress further into self-development, being curious about ourselves, we realize that we have so many different layers and they're influenced by so many different things. For myself, I often think about how much is actually, you know, quote unquote, my own thoughts and likes and dislikes Mm -hmm. and what is just, you know, been pushed on me or been seeping into my pores through environmental influences, right? And I think often if I have any of my own thoughts, like I don't actually know. Oh my God, that's so interesting. Yeah, tell me more about that. You don't feel like that? Mm, <laughs> no, I would say I don't feel like that. I'm, I would say I'm pretty like a pretty independent thinker for the most part and will. Yeah. I mean, not to say that I've never influenced, obviously everybody's influenced by others, but I, as I've gotten older, I've noticed far less influence and definitely more. I also just kind of walk to the beat of my own drama, I think a lot. So I I'm a, I was like a weird artsy kid when I was growing up, like to be totally honest. And then as an adult, I'm just like, like, I'm just going to move to this place or I'm just, I'm just going to start fresh here and, you know, do, or, you know, when we talked about boundary setting and stuff like that too, I'm like, no, like I'm not going to be influenced by the opinions of my parents, for example, or, you know, whatever. I'm just going to let them know this is my opinion and it might be very different. I, I think I think that as an active 
you know, thought, but then also knowing that I have all these implicit biases, right? Like that are influencing me. And so that makes me go in the circle of, do I even have any of my own real thoughts? Or is that even a thing? Like I often think that, mm-hmm. especially because part of self-growth as well is reading, consuming knowledge, right? In different forms, different capacities. So part of that interpretation of different texts, that is written in a biased way. And that's just how it is, right? <laughs> so I And naturally I gravitate towards things that I enjoy. I agree with these thoughts, these ways of thinking. So for example, compassion focused therapy, I I'm like, wow, this really resonates with me. And so when that happens, I'll like go farther down that rabbit hole, as opposed to forcing myself to do more. I don't know. I don't know what the opposite would be, but something that I find not as appealing Mm. is, you know, or like more Jordan Peterson type of things. (laughs) on that tangent no okay I think the point about implicit biases is important like we all have those and I think it's just important to be aware that we do right so Mm -hmm. no matter how much I'm like oh I'm an independent thinker obviously I have implicit biases too because it's just part of being human so I think just but even just being able to acknowledge that I think is really really important yeah I think it's interesting that you you feel like I mean I think we're all influenced by like what we read and you know what we're learning I think it's interesting that you kind of you interpret that as like not having like independent my thoughts. own thoughts yeah. yeah I guess in a it's less severe so I think that I have my own thoughts but those thoughts have been a culmination of many different things right pulled from different things that I've learned from and in that sense I often think can I even credit this as my own thought because it's pulled from so many different things mm. so for example analogy would be someone writing a paper they do all these references and I it's just ideas taken from ideas, taken from ideas, taken from ideas. Right. <laughs> yeah. But then that then that would lead me to the question, is there ever independent thought? So I would probably say no <laughs> to that. That's why, I'm, which is something that I'm completely fine with and I don't see any problem with at all. But yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel about that right now. Yeah. What do you think, Kelsey? Comments on that. <laughs> I think it's interesting. I mean, in a in a sense, I could totally see that point of there. There's no independent thought if you're just kind of referencing back all the other thoughts that people have had. But I think also we can formulate our own opinions on the things that we read, and so that would be an independent thought, even if it's opinion that's like similar to somebody else's. It's still yours. It's not going to be exact because we don't have duplicate brains. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But it's so funny. I used to, so I used to work in film and there was, I remember learning, reading that there's no such thing as an original story idea, right? Because every story is basically the same as some other story that's been written or pretty similar, right? And it's like, to an extent that's true, but then it's what you do with the story that makes it original. I think it's the same thing with with thoughts. Yeah, but this again might be similar to other people's, but we've put our own interpretation on it based on our own experiences and biases and, and all those things too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can see your point and I agree. I think that makes sense, but I still have these thoughts about how yeah. everything's borrowed. <laughs> that leads us to a completely different tangent than the original quote. So the quote was along the lines, <laughs> the more we know ourselves, the less we know. Yeah. So to know ourselves is to know that we don't know ourselves. So we 
basically, yeah, if you're wise, you know that you're, you don't really know everything about yourself Mm -hmm. and you can't necessarily ever. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of as well, how, you know, I say I have these thoughts all the time and I do, they're just in the background. So they operate in the back of my head every day. (laughs) This is another one of those things where I think, wow, no one can ever know me, not Mm. someone else, you know, someone external to me, if, and I can't even ever know myself probably, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. an ever-changing thing, but especially for people outside of myself, they'll never actually know me. (laughs) Maybe, I mean, you can communicate, if you're really good with language, you can communicate in many different forms. So just written language, poetry, whatnot, they Mm -hmm. feel like, but yeah, that thing or phenomenon that stands out to me quite a bit. (laughs) What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, yeah, it's true. First of all, if we can't truly know ourselves, like if we take this quote literally, then of course, if we can't know ourselves and how anybody else is going to know us on that kind of level either, I think it's okay that someone will never know you that I don't know that I'd want to know anybody that I mean, it sounds terrible, but that deeply because that is like, you know, knowing I don't want anybody to know every single thought that goes through my head. either, Right. And so that's okay with me is that, you know, letting certain people in, you know, as much as you can, especially as you're changing or I don't know, like how your relationship with your partner, for example, but like, like how much he's on like a personal growth journey too, or that's even important to him, right? Do you share those things with each other and those kind of thoughts around that stuff? Because like my partner and I certainly do quite, you know, pretty, pretty well. But again, like that's, we can still only know each other so much. Yeah. And I agree. I think there's no issue with that, right? It's just a funny thing to think about that idea, but there's no issue with it. I have no issue (laughs) with someone not completely knowing me. And the, the idea that as you start to pursue personal growth or whatever you like to label it, there's, you find that there's so much more to learn that goes for kind Mm -hmm. of any idea. So for example, my brother really likes whiskey. When he first got into whiskey, he thought it was just this very single dimensional, you know, thing to learn about. But then as you learn more about anything, you realize, wow, there's a whole world of knowledge that is just sitting there. And that mm-hmm. goes for like knowing ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's very enjoyable to do some personal inquiry you know, as you start to know yourself better or try to learn to know yourself better, right? And just, and then the more, well, I mean, talking about Socrates, but like Socratic questioning, right? And it's like, you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And so when you do that with yourself, it's like, you you do realize, oh, there's so much I don't know. And it's so interesting. It is so interesting. Would you say it's easy for people to lie to themselves? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, I think it is. <laughs> I think we all lie to ourselves all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how do we avoid that? <laughs> because as we try to come with this genuine intention to have a deeper understanding of ourselves, I ask that because I find that I will kind of make excuses for myself or find my way out of things, even though, you know, that doesn't help my actual goal or intention at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually sabotaging myself, but I don't, I don't want to be, it just seems to happen. Right. Yeah. I think, well, I think, okay, well, we're going to go with awareness again, right? If you realize that you are lying to yourself, step one, right? 
And then I think that I, the whole idea of, yeah, just like asking yourself why, why this, and then why that? So you answer the first why, and then you ask yourself the second, the why to that, and then the why to that, and then the why to that, and then see how deep you can go, right? Mm-hmm. To kind of, I, I don't know if that's a way to necessarily combat the the lying to yourself, but it's just, I think that's the way to go about the personal, like, okay, why do I have this, you know, thought that may be untrue? Or why am I telling myself this thing that maybe unhelpful or that I really want to be true, but it maybe isn't true, right? Why is that even important to me? And if it is important to me to be that way and I'm not that way, but I really, I'm lying to myself to pretend I'm that way. I was very, I hope everybody just <laughs> found that. But you know, yeah, like what, what, what is the value that I want to live by that I'm not currently? Yeah. You should say that again, Kelsey. <laughs> oh my, if I can. <laughs> <laughs> really good so if oh my god I don't think I can say it again (laughs) (laughs) it was something along the lines of I don't know (laughs) (laughs) it's like why no I can't do it that's okay so yeah, I something that's kind of helped me, I think. I don't know if we've talked about it in this podcast yet, but this year I've been trying to write. So mm-hmm. writing allows me to follow one train of thought, allows me to not diverge on different tangents quite so quickly as if you just kind of have a conversation in your head because you have to write down the words. Right. <laughs> so that's really helped me kind of, I think, be more true to myself in the sense that if I'm, if I'm, avoiding things it's all it's harder for me to write them down it's Mm. like it's more ingenuine I don't know and that could just be me I don't know why that is (laughs) no one's gonna see what I'm writing right but if I'm if I have this feeling that I'm you know rationalizing my behavior or lying to myself about this is who I am when this is not actually who I am when I do it where there's no evidence quote unquote so if I'm just doing it in my head it feels like the barrier is very minimal, but when I write, it feels like, wow, I've written this down and it feels dishonest and it feels mm. And so that's something that's really helped me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also think like writing or, or journaling can really help with that whole idea of trying to get those deeper, like the kind of self-reflection of if you write it down, what you're thinking and feeling, and then asking yourselves those why questions, for example, you can start to get a lot deeper which can be really, really interesting. I mean, the other way to do it is to have a conversation with someone, someone you trust about and and kind of do the same thing, you know, ask each other why as you go deeper and deeper and deeper. But I think that a lot of people probably prefer to do that on their own, which is totally fair when you're trying to go really deep. Yeah, it's kind of, it's difficult when you first start as well to name emotions, I find, because that's part of learning about yourself Mm. in the beginning when I was first starting things like personal growth I would use that emotion wheel which we can link to the episode feelings feelings wheel yeah it's so good because in daily life and if if people don't read a lot of say fiction or even just books in general it's hard to be exposed to broader language that comes to you quickly yeah because it used to be for me I would have I would have the emotion. I feel happy. I feel sad. I feel angry. I feel anxious. And those Mm -hmm. are my four emotions. But in reality, those aren't, they don't encompass truly what I feel. So using that reference point in the beginning was really helpful. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I love feelings wheels. So when I first went to counseling several years ago, my counselor had a feelings wheel poster on her wall mm-hmm. and, and she would just be like, okay, pick a, like, pick a feeling. And, and it was great. Cause I would just look or even throughout sessions as I got into it, I was like, what is the feeling that I'm having? Mm-hmm. And I found it very, very helpful. And then, and actually at one of my clinics, I have it, like feelings wheel cushions. So oh. you can like just pick it up and pick a feeling from it, which is great because most of us don't have the language outside of, yeah, outside of like four or five emotions, kind of the core ones, but like breaking it down. Like sometimes people will be like, well, I feel anger, but not really. I don't really feel anger. It's like, okay, well then pick the other emotion, right? What is it that you're feeling? Instead, yeah. I, I still like sometimes still I have to look at a feelings wheel too. And be like, okay, what is this feeling? Let's get specific. Yeah. Yeah. It's really helpful. Same with when you're trying to figure out values as well. It's nice Mm -hmm. to see them there and then think, oh, you know, I do resonate with that as opposed to thinking them up organically. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So kind of relating this all back to journaling, when you're journaling, most people just write down their thoughts, but it's interesting if you can write down your thoughts. Yes, that's important. And then also you write down your feelings, and then as you're asking yourself what the whys, write down the values that are coming up for you. And you might need those reference points of a feelings wheel open on your computer and a you know values checklist open on your computer. And that's totally fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or even writing them like thoughts and feelings, maybe even behaviors in a yeah. little triangle at the top of your page just to remind yourself. Because yeah, I even find myself doing that as well. I'll just write about my thoughts. Why did I think this? Why am I feeling... Or why, not why am I feeling frustrated? Why did I do this? Why Why did the day go like today? And I'll just forget about writing about the feelings sometimes, especially if I feel rushed or like there's some time urgency there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think on top of journaling, which is great, another way of self-reflection or going deeper is through something like meditation, right? Where you're just sitting there and you're being present. And a lot of people kind of get meditation confused, have to clear your mind. That is a type of meditation, but you can also just meditate and just notice what comes up for you. And yes, you want to kind of let the thoughts go. So you're not dwelling on them at the time, but it, it can be very interesting just to notice what kind of thoughts show up for you, what kind of feelings and sensations show up for you and, and using that as a reflective tool as well. Hmm. Yes, definitely. I agree. There's so many tools that you can use <laughs> to do all of these things, right? And it doesn't have to be the things that we just talked about, the meditation or journaling. It can be through art or mm-hmm. other things like that. So for anyone listening, I don't want them to feel like, you know, if we reiterate certain types of ways that we like to do personal growth, it's not the only way. There's lots of different ways. Yeah, I think what you say, art is a great way. So whether that is visual art, you're making something, painting something, whatever, music is such a form of expression. And it doesn't have to be you write music. It could be that you play music. It could be that you listen to music and sing music or dance to music. That's That would all be a way to to kind of self-reflect. Like, what what are you listening to? And, you know, when I'm angry, I will listen to more angry music, for example. Like, mm-hmm. and I know that. Or I'm sad, I'll listen to more sad music. And so using that as a kind of that form of inquiry and expression, performing arts, like drama or theater acting, filmmaking, writing, right? Like just like fiction writing. So when I have fiction wrote in the past, same thing, like often will bring up things that are important to me or issues that I may be exploring, or I know people who are exploring, right? And and incorporate those in. So I think there's lots of like very creative, expressive ways. I also think through things like sports, right? especially if you're kind of 
challenging yourself to learn something new or in a sport or right. There's a lot of self-inquiry that can happen within that or while you're doing certain things too. I don't know if you're going on like a, a three hour or four hour hike, right? You Even if you're hiking with someone else, you may be talking for part of it, but you're probably not talking the whole time. And so there is that opportunity for that inner dialogue and self-reflection as you're doing those activities. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't have to be something so formal, mm-hmm. like a formal action. It could just be out for a hike and you can really have that reflection during that time. I think that all that goes to say that that personal growth journey really does never end. It's kind of an ongoing thing. And to some, maybe that's very discouraging. To me, I find it very encouraging in that, wow, it can really, like, we can learn so much about ourselves and yet never be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's such a great thing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like something to constantly pursue, regardless of how old you are. Yeah. And it's it's so cheesy, but your best investment really is yourself. <laughs> and I think especially your mental health, which t- kind of ties into personal growth because those, and this is a broad generalization, but if your mental health, which is invisible, no one can see the state of it, is in a good place. You have tools to manage, you know, the things that you want to manage. It spills over to other aspects of your life. But for example, if you just focus on physical health, like you're really, I don't know, gung-ho into exercise, that doesn't necessarily mean you have good mental health, right? That doesn't Mm. spill over really. It can definitely, but I find that with mental health, it can change how you see the world, your perception, how you respond to things. And that dictates how you act in the world, what you receive in the world. Totally. (laughs) It also motivates us to do the other things, other right? Things. Like if we have yeah. poor mental health, we're very, usually very unmotivated to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to have perfect mental health. Like the, you can't also have struggles, right? I would say most of us do, and that's okay. Right. You can, it doesn't, yeah. Like, as long as you have some tools or, you know, a counselor or some outlets to, yeah, be able to also manage that, but it doesn't have to be perfect. Yes. And I think that's something that we could touch on another time as well. So mm-hmm. uh, approaching personal growth from a place of curiosity, as opposed to an avoidance response, like I don't like myself, so I want to change these things. Um, mm-hmm. as opposed to, I, I like myself and I want to get better. And so I'm going to do these things for me. And the behaviors look the same, but the intention behind them is very different. Right. It's it, well, you're just basically said like a self-compassionate intention yeah. and we are mo- more motivated by that anyway. So the long-term will be better. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Any last words, Kelsey? Yeah. I think the other thing that we, we kind of briefly spoke about before we started recording that I think is interesting just to note is that our, our brains are not very good at predicting things. So for example, there's been lots of studies on this, but when people are asked how much they think they'll change or how different they'll be 10 years from now, almost everybody will say, oh, I won't change at all. I'll be exactly the same. I am who I am. But if you ask the same people how different they were 10 years ago or how much they've changed in the last 10 years, they'll be like, oh, I've changed so much. I'm a totally different person. So just also being aware that change is natural, even if you're not trying to make certain changes. And you probably will be pretty different in 10 years and that is totally okay and can be a great thing too. So yeah, just, but be aware of your own, like those kind of biases, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we are really the worst judges of ourselves, like very difficult to have an objective lens of ourselves, <laughs> which is why it's nice to garner feedback from those close to us. But I think as well, as you go through personal growth, you start to realize that really that lens that we see ourselves is very skewed, right? It's very hard to calibrate. And it just that also gives us greater awareness into all our flaws. Yeah. Which I think is a great thing. Yeah. I also, yeah. We don't want to hyper-focus on flaws, but also you don't want to just pretend that you're perfect either. Like we all have, you know, great parts about us and things that are, you know, aren't as great and that's totally okay. It's very human. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Any other thoughts, Grace? Uh, not too much about this, I think. I think, yeah, that's all for today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I, again, we'd love to hear anybody's thoughts on this quote in particular or how they find it relevant or if they agree or disagree with the quote. So just one more time, it's to know ourselves is to know that we don't know ourselves. And also if you disagree, I'm just curious if you've done your own like why questioning into that, or if you agree, like done the own, your own why questioning into why you agree, um, mm-hmm. right? Use, using a bit of that Socratic method with yourself. Yeah. And if you, if you agree, was there a certain moment that you realized that, wow, I really, you know, was it an epiphany or was it a slow, gradual thing? If you disagree, please tell us why. So we really love to hear that. Clearly we agree with it. So it's nice to hear the opposing view because just nice to be challenged. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in this week. We will see you next time. Thank you so much again for listening to today's episode. Make sure to connect with us on social media with your takeaways from the show, any questions you may have, and let us know what topics you're interested in. Your support means so much to us, so please subscribe to the show, rate, and review if you enjoy it. We'll talk to you next week on Level Up Growth.